0: We all want to believe in something that endures. We want to believe in something that will last because we know that we won't. Even if we go about our days, our daily business, doing our best to forget this fact that we won't endure, that we won't last, we know it. And there's a comfort in knowing that something stable in our world will remain even after we're gone, that something, someone, somewhere will remain to remember us. That feeling is what we see going on at the start of our gospel reading today. In our fall sermon series, This is Jesus, we've been following Jesus as he's remembered in the gospel according to Mark his first century eyewitness. We followed him in his ministry as a traveling teacher, healer, and exorcist. Followed him as he's journeyed through an Israel that was suffering under the occupying force of the Roman Empire. And in today's lesson, Jesus has arrived at the capital city of Jerusalem. That's where the great temple was, the Jewish temple that was the sacred center of their lives, the center of the Jewish world, the home of God. And after Jesus had visited the temple, Mark tells us that one of his disciples is kind of making small talk with him as they leave. And the disciple, the student, marvels to Jesus about the size and the magnificence of the buildings. Now, both ancient historians and modern archaeology give us a sense of the the disciple would have been feeling because these stones were massive. Was 80 tons sitting 100 feet off the ground. And from a physical standpoint, the temple must have felt utterly indestructible, permanent, more like a mountain than something that human beings had made. And from a spiritual perspective as well, the, the Jewish world was unimaginable without it. It was where the Jewish people made their sacrifice. God. It's where they kept them. ...apply to his disciples. ...they're all going to... ...left on another, he says. Which was probably awkward silence. Because what Jesus had just said was tantamount to of the world. And later, his inner circle of disciples asks him when all this is going to go down. They want to know the signs. They want to know when the end is coming. Knowing the signs of the end has been a preoccupation of the human species for a long time. And Jesus tells them, be alert, because it's going to be confusing, he says, in those days. Don't get led astray by end-time prophets. My name, probably heard a few of those even today. Things are going to start falling apart," he says, "and the things that were stable, things that you thought were enduring, are going to start coming undone. Kingdoms, kingdoms, the earth itself, and its harvest—earthquakes and famines. And when the big things come undone, he says, the small things are going to start to unravel too. Families will betray each other. You're going to be persecuted for my sake." But when things are coming undone, Jesus says, don't you go apart. Stay strong, stay true to what you believe. You don't need to plan ahead. You just need to stay close to God and the Holy Spirit with you and through you in that day. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. But there's salvation for the one who endures to the end. This conversation happened in the last week of Jesus' life on earth. That Thursday night, he was betrayed. That Friday, he died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That Sunday, he rose from the dead, and the church began. But what he'd predicted in those first verses of Mark that we heard today came true a few decades later in the year 70, when the Romans responded to a Jewish rebellion by completely destroying the Jerusalem Raising it to the ground, not one stone left on another. Time of unbelievable persecution and suffering. It was the end of the Jewish world in a real way. Because what was supposed to endure fell, and what was supposed to last toppled. It was the end of the world, and then the world kept going. keeps on ending. Because Jesus wasn't happened the the temple. These chapters in Mark record his teachings that the world will someday end that the world is coming to an end and he says so that a new world can emerge. And it hurts. It hurts, but it hurts like a birth hurts. And the destruction of the temple, and but the beginning of the birth pangs, verse eight. And all the world's disasters and famines, its wars and rumors of wars, its injustices and its betrayals. The pain of the world is the pain of labor of giving birth. Scripture, as the Word of God says elsewhere, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. Creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit who groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. The world has been laboring these 2,000 years, and the world is laboring still. And if you've ever witnessed a childbirth, you'll know that it's actually a pretty good metaphor for history agonizing, lots of blood, and lots of screaming with brief pauses for breath. With agonizing slowness, something new is being born. That's our faith, that by God's grace, the pain of life is somehow, somehow generative and not simply destructive. That in the world and in our lives, God can bring something new out of